these days. One of these days. All right. So, uh, I thought this would be fun. We could uh, talk about whatever you wanted to talk about. Uh, sorry, this is not. Um, sorry, the window is closed for questions because uh, we needed time to think about it and think about what you um, what you would ask because we can give decent answers shooting from the hip, but probably not the best we could do. And so, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dive in and, and get to your questions. Just if, if this is your first time here, uh, this is not our normal topic for our college Bible study. Normally we're in uh, a series called Cross Culture where we're um, thinking through th- different things we struggle with. And you might be thinking, well, I struggle with relationships, uh, which is fine. <clears throat> but um, but seeing them through, I guess this fits totally in with Cross Culture. We want to see our relationships through the lens of the cross. Um and uh, but if you if you're the first time here, uh, I'm Kevin. I'm the college pastor, and this is my wife Laura. Uh, if you have never met her, uh, and um, we just to give you a little backstory, and we'll 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 talk more about it throughout the night. But we met. Um, well, Laura grew up here, so she her dad was the minister of music here for like all 17 years, 17 years like till she graduated high school. So. A uh, long time, and so she grew up in this church. Um, I grew up in North Alabama, and I came to Auburn, and this is where we met. No, actually, we met at a bookstore. Yeah, we met in Auburn. I haven't gotten to Lakeview yet. We met in Auburn. Um, she worked at a Christian bookstore that is no longer here. It's over there by uh, where Red, Lo- Red Lobster is. There's a state farm office over there. That's where the Christian bookstore used to be. He and his roommate came in, and they bought... <laughs> They bought a Beth Moore Bible study to do together. <laughs> don't you even. Don't you even. <laughs> I told them it was hey, for women and they bought it anyway. Beth Moore taught me a lot about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm just going <laughs> to tell you. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to hide that. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, so yeah, and I just kept going in that bookstore over and over again. But uh, anyway, um, so I wasn't yet going here. I went to a different church when I first came here. Uh, but around Christmas break, my one of my roommates said, um, "Hey, why don't he went? He came to Lakeview, and he said, why 'Why don't you come uh, to Lakeview with me?' Because where I did go to church, all the students vanished over Christmas break. So uh, came here, and this is where she went to church. And so this is where I started going to church. Uh, <laughs> it's not a bad reason to start going to church somewhere, guys, especially if it's here." Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, and then um, we'll save some of the story for throughout the night. But, uh, but um, we didn't date for a while, and then we did date for a while. We were in the same praise team. We were in a praise team together Praise here. team. Yeah. Good place to meet people. Uh, yeah. Clay's dad, Cliff Knight, is on staff here still. Um, had the spiritual foresight. Uh, to put us on the same praise team together, he was he was matchmaking in that in that deal, and uh, and it worked out. And um, so we dated for two years, we got engaged, and we're engaged for six months, and then we have been married. In this December, we'll be married 15 years. So, hey, so we got some experience uh, in all the questions. 
So, um, hey, so this conversation is going to be totally reliant on the questions you sent in. So if you get out of here and you go, man, they didn't, uh, they didn't talk about this or that. Well, that's your fault because you should have asked that. But we can talk about it later. Sure. Um, so, yeah, sure. Um, so anyway, um, we're just going to start going through the questions and, uh, and do our best to, to say what we think. And here is question number one. Or three. How do you prepare for a relationship? How do you know you're ready? And what do you do in the waiting? All right. So we don't know. Uh, we, I don't know who asked this question. I don't know who asked any of these questions. I don't know if it was a guy or a girl. Uh, I have a feeling it's a girl, though. <laughs> it's the, it's, uh, that's just me. <laughs> it's worded like a girl. <laughs> Guys don't ask, ask that question, though. <laughs> But uh, how, do you, how do you prepare for a relationship? How do you know you're ready? And what do you do in the meantime? And I would simply say, and, you, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this, and if you think of anything else you want to add to that, how, how do you prepare? You love Jesus. Just love Jesus. And, and don't love Jesus like your boyfriend, but love Jesus like the Lord and King and Savior that he is. Love Jesus as the scriptures present him. And love him in the context of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like pursue Jesus and pursue him in the context of the local church. That is, uh, be plugged in with both feet in the, in the local church and, and serve in the local church. Whether it's serving in the, in the, in the college ministry or in, in a praise team or a missional community group leader or, or you don't have to be in leadership, just, just, just here and in the life of the church um, because that's, that's the biblical design of how you, uh, part of the biblical design of how you express your love for Christ. You cannot love Christ apart from loving his body. And so um, love Jesus Follow Jesus in the context of the church. And that's important, too, because following, and this is going to be a big part of, of all that we say. Following him in the context of the local church, also, it opens, if you're not dating anyone, it can open up for the Lord to work in an unexpected way in your life with regard to relationships. So, for example, you may, in serving somewhere in the church, you might be partnered with someone that you didn't initially have your eyes on, right? And, and in serving in that way, you look at, wow, we have similar interests, we have similar calling, we have similar whatever. And, uh, but also, even if it's not you meet that other person that you might date in through serving in the church, through serving in the church, you... Uh, you open yourself up to the input of older people into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have wisdom. They have wisdom. Um, that's why everything that we do, we try to have multiple generations in the room. Mm-hmm. When you come here on a Sunday morning, in Sunday school, you're going to see uh, – you won't just see college students. You're gonna see, you're gonna see uh, people that are just a few older, a few years older than you, to people who are your parents' age, to people who are your grandparents' age. 
in Sunday school with us because they have wisdom to pour out to you. If you, if you, if you serve in the nursery, you're going to be rocking a baby next to an older person probably. And, and, and they can observe your life, and you can ask them questions. And if you're dating someone, they can say, that's dumb. Stop dating that person, and you should listen to them. And, and older people aren't dumb. They watch, they, they know life, and they know people, and they know you if you're, if you're active in the church. And the example that have, that have in, 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 my, in our lives is I had already asked Laura out, and she said no. Um, she actually liked somebody else at the time, and, uh, but she gave me a real spiritual reason. That was really dumb. We're going to get back to that later. Um, we'll get back to that. But she gave me a real spiritual reason. Don't play the Jesus card, please. Uh, she did. <laughs> she laid it down. Uh, yeah. You're missing out. Um, Don't play the and Jesus so, card. And, I, and so I waited a, a year. Um, and in that intervening year, being active here at Lakeview, I would have older people come up to me and say, you should date Laura. And I was like, I know. <laughs> And they would tell me, you should date Kevin. I'd be like, why do y'all keep telling she was, me that? She was like, shut up, you know. <laughs> um, but, uh, but even though they were telling me, you should date Laura, and I'm like, I know. I, it was confirming to me, yeah, I really should date Laura. Maybe I'll keep praying for that. And even though she was like, shut up, it was still, <laughs> it still she remembers it to this day, mm-hmm. right? And it was wisdom poured out into her that she didn't want to hear at the time. Our first date, really, where it all began. We took Matthew and his two brothers to see Monsters, Inc. <laughs> Do you remember that at all? Matthew was like four. He was like four or five <laughs> years old. We went to see Monsters, Inc. And we held hands. Aww. Aww. So how do you know you're ready? You want to say anything of that? I mean, you, I mean, you know you're ready. You, uh. Relationships take maturity, right? So search your heart. See, ask the Lord, are you, because relationships, dating is for finding a spouse. So that doesn't. It should never be aimless. No, we don't, we don't date so we can have somebody to take formal. We don't date so that we can, I don't know. It's, there's a whole host of reasons that the world dates. We date to find a spouse. That doesn't mean that as soon as you ask a girl out on a date, that means she's thinking, oh, hey, we might get married. That, that's not the point. Girls shouldn't, y'all shouldn't take it that seriously. Get to know each other um, through dates. But um, if you don't feel like you're mature enough or that you don't want to get married, I guess that would be a good reason not to date. But if, you're, if, you're, if you love Jesus and she loves Jesus and you like her and she likes you. Then you're ready. Then, then <laughs> date. Date with an aim. And with just, marriage in your mind, Just please. because you... You said, oh, I might marry this girl. You might date that person for a while and figure out, I don't want to marry this girl. And y'all can break it off. But be wise in the meantime. All right. Uh, question number two. How do you discern God's will in any part of a relationship? How do we know when he condemns or condones our relationship? How do you keep emotions from clouding your discernment of God's will? Another girl question. <laughs> you, 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 you took out a muck. That yeah, was in there. Yeah, there was a great... The word amok was in this question. How do you keep your emotions... From running amok. No, which, no, which, which often, often run, run amok. amok in, uh, <laughs> what a great word. What a, in something from clouding your discernment of God's will. Um, and, um, well, you, 
you discern God's will in this in the same way you discern God's will in any other thing. I mean, relationships are not some special category of of things. You you discern God's will in in relationships in the same exact way you discern God's will in anything. And for me, I've never been one to think that God's will God has God has a perfect will, like a perfect yeah, he has a perfect specific will. Like you the person you marry will be the person that God specifically ordained for you to marry, but he has not told you that. And he won't tell you that. From humanly speaking, it could be any number of people, you know. Uh, and, 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 uh, and it's, it's what he has told you are, are general, general parameters, general principles, g- general wisdom that you can apply in any number of situations. And you can apply them in relationships um are they a believer are they an unbeliever let me tell you dating an unbeliever you you hear stories where a believer dated an unbeliever and that unbeliever over time came to faith in christ those are that's an extra special favor of god's grace most of the time it does not happen most of the time the unbeliever does not gravitate toward Christ most of the time the believer gravitates away from Christ so don't date an unbeliever you're not you're told not to marry one so why date one um what is your motive for dating that's another that's another uh scriptural principle uh that you could uh, apply um just in, in any any wisdom of of how you ought to treat the the opposite sex or whatever are you for a guy are you are you at, are you dating a girl merely because of how she looks are you dating just because she think you think she's hot or or something like that i mean uh that's a terrible reason to get into a you don't i mean you don't want to date an ugly girl but i mean uh nobody's ugly in this room but but uh, I'm not saying looks are not important. Can we it, rephrase that and say you don't want to date a girl that you think is ugly, right? Right. 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 There you go. That's what We're I'm, not telling you to go find a girl you don't find attractive at all and date her. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that should not be merely the reason because that's just lust. Um, and it will probably lead you into sexual sin once you're in the relationship. If that's the sole reason that you get into the relationship, then your guard is already down, guys. And you will... Um, I that, one. Really? that one right there? Mm-hmm. Go for it. Um, discerning God's will, I think parents are a good parameter of that. Um, even non-believing parents. Um, and the reason... I have believing parents, but my parents were very wise... Of course, I never dated an unbeliever, but I did. The guy that I said no to Kevin because of was a guy that um, was a believer. Um, We'd known each other for a long time. I was madly in love with him, and my mother kept saying, no, he's he's terrible for you. He's awful for you. Don't do it. He's got lots of baggage. Don't do it. And I mean, I literally 
was so angry at my mom for a full year because I couldn't figure out, why doesn't she see what I see? He's wonderful. Um, I'm so glad I didn't marry that guy. Like, I'm really thankful I didn't. I, eventually, I broke it off with the guy simply because I could not take the fact that my parents were like, not a good idea. Um, I have a really good relationship with my parents. Um, you may not fully understand it, but your parents know you. They know your personalities. Um, they know your tendencies. Even if it's not necessarily for a, what seems like a spiritual reason, I think your parents are good. Like, when we, we don't do a ton of premarital counseling, Cliff does most, anytime you get married at Lakeview, Cliff does your premarital counseling here, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't sign off on it's your a, wedding if you were. It's a Lakeview policy. If you right. wanted, if, if Lakeview's policy is if you desire to get married, both sets of parents need to consent to the, to the marriage. And that's, that's just a wisdom move because the book we give out when we do marital counseling is What Did You Expect by Paul Tripp. And, uh, it, it's called redeeming the realities of marriage because the reality is it's two sinners getting together mm-hmm. and you're going to have trouble in your marriage. And it's nice to know that one, one of the persons in the marriage can't go to their mom who disagreed with the marriage in the first place, you know, and, 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 and say, well, yeah, I told you you should have never married him, you know. Um, rather, you'd, you'd want the mom to say, go back home and work it out. Um, the only so. time that I've seen it where I agreed with the couple, there were two adults out from under their parents' authority. The only reason the parents gave for the daughter, not the guy not marrying this girl, was that she wasn't rich enough. Um, and they went ahead and got married anyway. That would be, I mean, that is the only time in my mind that I could think of where I'd be like, okay, I see why they went ahead and got it, married. Two people that love the Lord, yeah, two and, adults. And I've counseled people who, who, whose parents um, were not in agreement at one time, I said, that doesn't mean you've got to break it off with this person. They just may be saying they don't, want you, they don't think you're ready to get married right now. Mm-hmm. So you keep praying, and maybe their mind will change. And we've got people that can testify that that happens. Mm-hmm. You know? So um, another reason why uh, about wisdom from God's Word is if you have clearly divergent calls mm-hmm. on your life, and we'll speak more to this because there's another question about it, clearly divergent calls. Like, you really feel that God's leading in this way, in this kind of career, or this kind of uh, life choice, or whatever, job, or whatever, and this person's clear that way? Well, then, just golly, that's not, you're not going to, you, know, you don't need to date because you're not going to get married. Um, so, God has made it easy for us to discern as well because he's written down for us in his word. It's not a cloudy or subjective matter. Um, and even if, did you want to talk about that? Even if you have all, even if you can meet all these You're married, you're, you're dating a believer, your motives are good, you're not in sexual sin, your parents are good with for it, you've got the same calls. Sometimes, that's why you need to be in community, because sometimes if in community people watch how you interact with each other and they're just like, you guys, this for a lifetime is not a good idea. You know what I'm saying? Just your, your personalities don't mesh or this is toxic or... I don't know. So being community, that's why you don't ever want to be isolated. As soon as you start dating somebody, pulling away from the church, or people can't help you discern that. I think yeah. there can also be good reasons to break up with somebody. But. Even if it's a godly relationship. Mm-hmm. All right. How are you guys, how, how are guys supposed <laughs> to get to know, this is a guy question. How are guys, <laughs> see how angry it is? So how, so how are guys supposed to get to know girls? This is how, the, the, this is the, if they won't even hang out with them. 
<laughs> you invite a girl to hang out, and she won't even hang out. That's the. Um, that's how that went on in his head. Whoever read that, while he was typing. <laughs> this must have happened recently for whoever this was. Yeah. <laughs> Notice there's only one question mark in the guy's question, not four. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Um, well, you're a girl. I'm a girl. And and so why might girls not hang out in this situation? Well, okay. So y'all have made it a little bit. It's a lot more complicated with y'all now because we didn't have cell phones when we were dating. So if we got to know each other, it was in a group typically. Everything right? was always face-to-face when we were in college. Right. That cuts out a lot of... Confusion. Confusing stuff. Yeah. Because seriously. Um, so we did things in groups, and then Kevin asked me out. I think we went on a date. Which, by the way, girls, go on a date. It's not a big, you're not, you're not promising to marry him. Go out on a date and get to know him. Um, the, least, the worst thing that could happen is you could both decide you're not going to date anymore. Like, go out on another date. Because the best way to, yeah, the best way to figure out is is to hang out together in groups, hang out, a way you can get actually get to know a person and know if that's somebody you would like to ask out. Um, and uh, But, guys, if you're constantly calling a girl and asking her to hang out or texting her and asking her to hang out by yourself, then and she may not be interested in a relationship with you, she's going to say no because it looks like you're interested in just hanging out with her by herself. This must be... It looks like... I mean, it looks like you're interested in her more than just a friend. So I would hang out with a girl, invite a whole bunch of people over, include yeah. the girl, get to know her that way if you want to hang out. But I, I think it probably may be, girl, am I right? I don't know, girls. Gun shy a little bit if a guy texts you that you don't know and wants you to come hang out by yourself. And this, I don't qu- know. this question, how are guys supposed to know the girls? They want to hang out with them. Well, don't ask one girl to come hang out with all the guys. <laughs> you know? I don't I, think they did that. Well, no, let's hope not. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but like our our experience, we were in praise team together. So that's a whole group of us, and we would we studied we together. studied together in wide open places with other friends there, um, and uh, and it, yeah, and it was pre cell phones. So everything was done face to face. Can I say this to you? I have a little bitty soapbox. I'm going to stand up on for a second. You're sitting. Um, mentally, I'm standing up. Guys, don't text a girl every day and talk to her exclusively on text all the time if you are not interested in her. It is very confusing. Um, Texts, we have this idea that texts have no consequences because we're not looking at the person face-to-face. If you don't like the girl or you're not at least remotely interested in dating her, don't. Don't do that. That's that. That really is confusing. Because a lot of times girls are left wondering, what does this guy want from me? I don't know. Like, or I have a friend and he keeps calling me and texting me all the time, but he never asks me to do anything. Does he like me? I mean, I hear that a lot. Um, so don't do it. Leave the cell phones alone. Talk to people in person. <laughs> if I ever find out one of you guys asked a girl out via text. <laughs> We're going to have words. And don't break up via text either. We might have more than words. <laughs> you might be faster than me, but... <laughs> For most of you, I got you on weight. Uh, <laughs> uh, here's the... Uh, 
and old man strength is a real deal. <laughs> we get stronger. This is a good segue question or a good follow-up question to the last one. From the girl's perspective, is it all right to ask for a girl to ask out a guy? If not, how do you let a guy know you're interested so that he can ask you out? Also, how long should you wait around for a guy before giving up? So let me just plug one little thing, and then you can take it from here. Um, How do you let a guy know you're interested? How about this? If they ask you to hang out, (laughs) go hang out. And that's a good way to let them know that you're interested, at least maybe. Okay. So dating is a modern thing, so you're not going to find a scripture that says this is who should ask out first and this is who should pay for the meal and this is, no, you're not going to find that in scripture. Um, But dating is for marriage, okay? And the very clear pattern of scripture is male leadership in marriage. So it seems backwards to me, ladies, that you should lead starting the relationship. And let, let, then expect the guy to lead the whole relationship um, in marriage, okay? So you don't want to drag a guy by his cold feet into a relationship because you're tired of waiting for him. That's not what you want. You want to be swept off your feet, right? Am I right, ladies? So wait. Trust the Lord. He can get the dude to ask you out if it's right. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to pretend he doesn't exist. I've seen girls do that, too. I like him, but I'm not going to let him really quiet. I'm never going to talk to him. I'm not even going to look when he comes around. That's silly. Look pretty. Be kind. Be his friend. That's good. But don't try to manipulate him into asking you out. Don't send people to tell him that you like him. That's manipulative. Trust the Lord. The Lord, if they have the Holy Spirit, and I assume all these guys in here do, then the Lord can tell them to ask you out. So just trust the Lord. You really do not want Because, look, the girls who ask this, they have all their ducks in the row. They're very driven. And so let me just tell you, that doesn't go away when you get married. And it's not your job as a wife to tell your husband what to do when he doesn't have his act together. And you're going to want to. So you might as well just curb that now (laughs) and trust the Lord. Because you're going to have to trust the Lord when you get married. Am I right? Yeah. Have I ever told you what to do? (laughs) Yeah. No, no. no. no, no. You, you don't make to it my shame, girls. You're not supposed to do that. Okay. No. But how long should you wait around before for a guy before if the guy's up? not if the guy's not asking you out, just assume he's not right for you and trust the Lord to bring you somebody better. I did that. I pined after guys that never even looked my direction, and I'm so thankful I didn't marry them. I married. Oh, I'm so. But happy. for my case, I waited a year. Huh? Yeah. I waited a whole year. <laughs> I didn't ask anybody else out. I waited a he year. He really didn't. That's, That's true. That's right. And I eventually came back to you, and I said, hey, you still feel the same way? Yeah, well, no. <laughs> I held your hand. I did. That's almost asking a guy out. So forward. Like, we went But to, he had already asked me out. Why, so. Yeah, tell, explain why that was different than you asking a guy out. Because I knew he still felt the same way. Because I made it obvious <laughs> that I still liked her. He came around. And um, mm-hmm. she wasn't like, yeah. She, had a lot she of already knew how I felt. There you go. There you go. Oh, this is a great question. I do not understand this question. Are y'all ready for this? Why do Lake, Lake you girls think they're going to marry Jesus? Um, this I, sounds I, angry I, or silly <laughs> or something. 
I don't really know what this question means, but um, we could take it all sorts of ways. I don't. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just saying. I kind of bowed up a little bit yeah. when I read this one. So here, <laughs> I don't know what kind of vibe the ladies are putting off that make you think that they want to marry Jesus. Whatever that means. Um, does that mean? Does it mean that they want their only relationship to be with Jesus Christ? Or does that mean they want a man so perfect that he's almost Jesus? I don't know how to take this. But I will say, and I mean, how do you even answer this question? But I will say, maybe take it as an admonition, guys, to pursue spiritual maturity. Um, we can drop the mic there. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Pursue spiritual maturity. Um, and, uh, yeah, because... Uh, a godly girl is going to be more drawn to a guy who sincerely loves Jesus Christ um, more than her uh, than a stupid guy. Um, but, 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 I want to say, too, spiritual leadership, like um, I've heard this really dumb line, too. <laughs> um, I'm not spiritual enough to be a leader to her. Yeah, guys. God. Y'all. A girl doesn't need you to memorize more scripture than you or be a Christian longer or have read more books by John Piper or, or whatever it is. A, a girl wants a guy that loves Jesus and wants to encourage her to love Jesus and who's willing to lead their family to love Jesus. If that's you, you're a spiritual leader enough for her. Yeah, because the fact is, being a spiritual leader, um, now we're definitely called to be a spiritual leader within marriage. Right, because so don't don't. Well, that's I think what they mean. Yeah, right. Like I shouldn't well, date her marry because marry Jesus. But they were talking about <laughs> the dating process leading up to that time, and you can't all the all the admonitions that Scripture gives us for the marriage relationship does not necessarily apply just because you're dating. Mm -mm. So you're not called to be necessarily the spiritual leader of your dating relationship, though it's not a bad idea. Just because, as a guy, you should be a spiritual leader, period. Um, and and so, uh, but but even if if you get to the if you get to the marriage point, and just say uh, the girl has been a Christian for twenty years, and the guy has been a, a believer for five, it could be that just the the wife has a has a. a has read more scripture, memorized more scripture, or, or whatever, just navigate her way around the Bible. She's been a Christian for four times as long. But it's not about the, the spiritual leader, does, like she said, does not mean that you know more or, or all this kind of stuff. It's just that you lead in it. It's the heart. You're the spiritual leader. Mm -hmm. So it's okay if your wife knows more. It's not to be content with how little you know of the scriptures. But it's okay if you don't know the answer to every question. You lead in the reading of Scripture together. You lead in prayer. You lead in all these different things. And you don't have to have more Scripture memorized to do that. Uh, girls, don't, uh, whatever that means, don't do that. Don't lower your standards, girls. Yeah. Jesus is a good one. <laughs> There's only one Jesus, though. <laughs> no, but I mean, seriously, this is good. It's good to have high standards. How do you live a life pleasing to God 
when you are discontent being single? How do I trust the Lord and live my life when the Lord is not answering the prayer of marriage and I know my heart idolizes it? Um, the same the way you do with anything. I mean, how do you live a life pleasing to God when you are discontent dot, dot, dot with anything, any other thing? How do you live a life pleasing to God when dot, dot, dot? You could fill the blank in with anything. Uh, how do you live a life pleasing to God when you're hungry? How do you live a life pleasing to God when you're sleepy? How do you live a life pleasing to God when you're stressed? How do you live? You, the answer never changes. It's the same. You live a life pleasing to God because the scriptures never change. Mm -hmm. And you, you live a life following hard after Jesus Christ and you're in the word and you're seeking to, to walk in obedience to what the word says, that's going to be a life pleasing to God and it's going to help you with your discontentment. Um, um, that's, how you, that's the answer to the first question. How do you live a life pleasing to God? Don't think you can't, yeah, just the question, could have, the question mark could have been at the end of God. How do you live a life pleasing to God? Yeah, That's and then the wanting badly to be married doesn't mean you're idolizing it. No. God, God made most, unless you're called to singleness, and most people know they're called to singleness, um, God's called you to be married. And so there's nothing wrong with wanting it, even wanting it badly. Um, I think you know you're idolizing it when you're angry at God for not giving it to you and therefore not obeying him. That, that's a sign of idolatry. So I'm angry at you, God, for not giving it to me, so therefore I'm going to rebel or um, it's all-consuming, like your whole, everything you do think, say, is thinking about, I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have this. And I think that's idolatry. But I don't think, there's nothing evil about wanting to be married. No, and, and how do I trust the Lord and live my life when the Lord is not answering the prayer of marriage? Well, how do you know? How do you know he's not answering it? I mean, it, he he might he might be answering it in a way that you simply do not see coming, and at a time it may not be at the time that you want or in the person you think at this point in time it might be, or you may not have any idea who the person is. That doesn't mean that God's not answering your prayer. He's just answering the. He's just smarter than you are. Um, all right. Next, is it wrong to meet someone at church? No. no. And what do you do when you when you know there is no one at Lakeview? Pause. Everybody who's single in this room, raise your hand. <laughs> there's people at so Lakeview. So you know there's something someone here at Lakeview. Okay, whatever. Um, how do I get plugged in and find community when most of my friends are dating or engaged or married, and I'm in a completely different phase of life? So no, it's not wrong to meet someone at church. It's ideal. Um, and and again. By the raise of hands, how do you know that there's no one at Lakeview? Um, your feelings for a person can change. Our marriage is living proof of that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and and also, let's just say, I, I know everyone at Lakeview, and I don't like any of them um, <laughs> that way. <laughs> um, well, people are coming and going all the time. So just because they may not be in the room right now, Somebody might visit for the first time next week. And friendships can change. I mean, like our relationship changed over time. And, uh, and you, had a good, you had a good comment about how do I find community when 
people are in a completely different phase phase of life. Yeah, this is probably the last time in your life where you are going to be in church community with people that are mostly your age. We we or, really or in exactly the same stage. As right, you y'all are, are coming out to the end of age graded things, right? So most churches, even even outside of Lakeview, um, you're going to be in community with people of all different ages and all different phases of life. So don't don't assume it's bad community just because there's nobody else that's where you are doing what you're doing. Um, the Lord can really bless you, right? And from people that are not like you, and and yeah, we don't had sell good, yourself short. Yeah, we had good friends. We had good friends in Tallahassee where we came from. That some of our good best friends were ten years younger than us, ten years older than us. You know, I mean, like. 40 years older than us. 40 years older than us. I mean, it's totally different stages, stage of life. But it's a what that is is a beautiful tapestry of, of community. Mm-hmm. It just is. It's a richer community. Uh, you might think it's weird. You want to be in a, how do I find community when nobody else is in my stage of life? Well, maybe God is trying to teach you not to look only for people in your stage of life mm-hmm. and to learn to benefit from people who are in a different stage of life and to grow through that. Um, so, yeah, just keep looking here at Lakeview. This is an important one. If you are called overseas, should you date someone who is unsure of a similar call? Uh, we both have something to say about this one. And um, first of all, I want to say something about being called. Uh, if you are called overseas, we need a um, we need a stronger uh, understanding of calling. Um, in in our, we call a an, another word that we have in our language for a job or a trade is a vocation. Vocation. Why do we call it a vocation? Vocare. It's a calling. It's the every trade, every job, every line of work used to be understood as a calling. It it makes holy everything. Like, it's not like you're either called to ministry or you're called to missionary service. And if you're not called to one of those things, you're just doing some other job. Sorry, you didn't get called. Second rate. No. Every line of work that God has gifted you for and given you passions for is a calling from him. He's calling you to that line of work, right? And so I would say if you were called... Uh, overseas uh, well no 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 I don't want to get there yet so the other thing is how do you know when you're called to something God can work and does work in a lot of different ways missions let's just stay with this example missions might not have been on your radar at all. You may not have grown up and probably didn't grow up in a church like Lakeview. You, you might have grown up in, in a church that had paltry little um, emphasis on missions. And you come to Lakeview and you, you, you visit two or three churches and you go, I think I'm going to stick around at Lakeview. And then 
at the end of September, the 1st of October, all of a sudden there's flags up everywhere in the church and there's this big gigantic missions festival and you're like, holy cow. And then you go to some of those things and you hear missionaries tell their stories and you go, holy cow. Like, and God starts, in, in, in some kind of dramatic moment, starts stirring your heart to that that you had never, ever considered. And you go on a mission trip and you go, oh my goodness. And, 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 and that is something for 18 years of your life, it was the last thing on your mind and all of a sudden you can't think of anything different. Or that's, a, that's, a, that's more of a, that's a semi-dramatic way of being called to something. At the same time, my calling was nothing like that at all. I'd never wanted to do anything else in my whole life. I grew up and I lived right next to our pastor growing up, right next to his house. I played with his kids. I watched him, watched his life. I loved to listen to him preach. I loved to listen to him teach. I loved the, the way he just opened the Bible and taught the Bible. I was just drawn to that even as a five, six, seven-year-old. Seriously. And it's just like all my life, that's what I wanted to do. Um, when I came to Auburn, I thought for a hot minute that I wanted to do uh, law. I wanted to be a lawyer. So I went into political science. And that lasted for only a couple months, and I just like I would, I just would not be happy doing that. I could, I just knew, I just knew, I need to do what I've always wanted to do, and I just it never was a dramatic calling like that. But I knew that's my calling because I just didn't want to do anything else, and it never has to be um, fancier than that. First Timothy three one says, if anyone aspires. To the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. So calling can just be an aspiration that you have, a desire that you have. Scripture says so. So that's that's that. Um, just want to get that groundwork laid. If you're called overseas, should you date someone is unsure uh, who is unsure of a similar call? That is not this. This answer does not just pertain to if you're called overseas. It pertains if you're called anything else. If I'm called to gospel ministry and I'm going to be in ministry in a local church, I don't want to marry a girl who does not want that life at all. And Or if, you're, if you know the Lord's called you to a specific city, like a huge city, and you just have a heart for New York City, and you meet a guy that just wants to, to live in Podoc, Alabama, that's not him. That's not for you, that's right? Not, not because he's bad, or that one or the other is better is that the Lord's giving you a heart for something else. It's just yeah. not or if smart you're doing to marry like somebody. Military or something that's going to move you around and move you around and move you around, and you don't you got you're, you don't want to marry a homebody, you know. That's that's it's the same issue going on. But if you're called overseas, um, yeah. But do you want to say anything about your testimony? Yeah. So when I was 15, I surrendered to what I thought was a call to missions. So I grew up at Lakeview, and. Um, my logic, although I didn't realize it then, followed like this. Super Christians go overseas. I am a super Christian. Therefore, I'm going overseas. Okay? Um, I didn't see it that way then. But I remember specifically a prayer that I prayed when I was your age. Lord, please don't. You can send me anywhere. You can send me to the bush out somewhere with nobody I know overseas. But please, God, don't make me stay in Alabama. I literally prayed that. 
And I literally thought that was a good prayer to pray. What was wrong with my heart? My heart was saying, Lord, anywhere but Alabama, (laughs) right? And I actually thought the Lord was pleased with that because I literally saw missions as the thing you do if you really love Jesus. Does that make sense? In the process of being in college, I met Kevin, and he asked me out. I said no. We waited a year. Then the Lord, through multiple events, lots of people coming to me and saying, you really ought to consider this guy. Um, I went to him, and I said, are you called overseas? And he said, no, I'm not. I'm called to pastoral ministry. But I'm unwilling, I am willing, not unwilling, willing to go anywhere the Lord leads me. All he has to do is ask. This is, I will change my plans. Um, I sought a lot of counsel. I prayed a lot. We wrestled through a lot. Ultimately, I realized that I was called to a totally different thing than I thought I was called to. Um, the Lord had gifted me and would, I would be happy in many different areas of ministry. Um, and I had a guy that loved Jesus with all his heart, whose character was solid, and who was willing to go anywhere. Um, and I sought lots of counsel. <laughs> I stress that again. So did I sacrifice a legitimate call to missions to marry Kevin? No, I don't think so now, looking back on it. It was a process. I, I mean, it really was a process for me. Um, I, I do tell girls, please try to d- date a guy first for his character and his heart for the Lord, not first for where you think he's called, because the Lord can call you both the week after your marriage. Blake and Mary Linda Thew, y'all know them, right? So Blake has been saying, called to ministry, called to ministry, called to ministry. Mary Linda's called to marry him. She marries him. A week later, he, the Lord just does it about face in his heart. He hears a general speak, and he decides the Lord's calling him to be full-time military. So she, because she knew Blake loved the Lord, she loved the Lord. She can follow Blake. But do you see how the Lord totally took them in a different direction? They were looking for churches to serve. Um, so character is more important. I had guys that I had picked out because they seemed like Jim Elliott to me. Um, and they had, they were just not, they, they were lacking spiritually. They were saying they were going overseas, but they were lacking spiritually. Um, I don't want, if you're Amy Carmichael in this room and you, your heart beats for missions and you cannot imagine being happy anywhere else, then please don't go date a guy that's not. That's just silly. I want you to go, Right. But even then, it's character first. Yeah, please date a guy that a lot loves of guys will Jesus. Say anything. We're used car salesmen. We um, just, um, my my reason for going to my my reason for going overseas was about my glory. It was about how, what can Laura do to be the most important status as a. Does that make sense? It was wrong. I never learned that from anybody here at Lakeview. It was just my own sinful heart. But now looking back on it, do you know all of our ministries have been in Alabama pretty much, <laughs> except for when we were. Um, and God's been so good, and I've loved it. And I've looked back and seen how the Lord gifted me to do what I'm doing. Um, and we're both still open missions. So if the Lord ever called us, we'd go. That was a really long way to answer that question. How can I keep from loving my boyfriend more than Jesus? Um, or girlfriend. Um, because it was uh, asking about boyfriends, you... Uh, you, you you made some notes on this. I think we should look at big picture. Like, God made you a, a girl. It's a girl asking. So, God made you a girl. He made you to love a guy. That's good. Um, it's good to love a godly man. That's what God made you for. One day, I hope you marry a godly man and love him. Um, so, loving a guy is not a bad thing. Um, I don't... 
companionship, romance, and marriage are all God's idea. Um, so in the proper context, they're good things. Um, I'm looking at my notes because I don't remember what I wrote. We're emotional creatures, so feelings of deep love doesn't mean that you therefore don't love God. Um, we don't feel the same feelings for Jesus that we feel about our boyfriend. That's, that's normal. Um, it's easier to love a tangible person that you, you can see, touch, feel. That's normal. I don't think you need to go break up with him because you feel so in love with him. If he loves the Lord, that's great. I love that. Um, I think you're going to have to constantly lay things that you love on the altar before the Lord. So if I do this with Kevin now, we're married. I'm not going to go divorce him because I wake up and sometimes my heart idolizes him and I get anxious about him, something happening to him or um, my children. If one of my kids comes to me and says, God's calling me to go to Afghanistan, it's going to be hard for me to relinquish and go, yes, please obey God because I don't want them to die, right? Like, I mean, what if they go somewhere and I can't protect them? So you're constantly laying things on the altar. So I guess how do you keep from loving your boyfriend more than Jesus? You just keep, you pray for him, you continually give him to Jesus, you continually relinquish um, him to the Lord, trust him, don't get anxious and clingy and weird. Um, And then continually get in God's word and grow in your faith and trust the Lord for the future. And then... um, the only time I would say that it's not good is if you love your boyfriend so much that your boyfriend, you are willing to do things for your boyfriend that you know are wrong and against the scripture, right? And then I would say, cut it off. And and, and that, that too is another, also a, another fill-in-the-blank question. How do I keep from loving my phone more than Jesus? How do I keep from loving sleep more than Jesus? How do I keep, you know, I mean, it's... Uh, that's a general idolatry question. Um, how do you protect yourself and fight against the physical temptation in a relationship? I assume that means sexual temptation, not wrestling. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, wrestle. Uh, Gosh, I keep wanting to punch him in the face. What is uh, wrong? Man, she's strong. Uh... <laughs> But, uh, again, that gets back to um, being groups as much as possible um, when you're dating. I mean, um, go on double dates. I mean, you know, just as much as you can. But it, it, even, if, even if you don't uh, date in public places, go out to eat. Uh, just be where other people are. That's easy to do. Don't and constantly make out in your apartment alone. That's yeah, really well, that's stupid. the other thing. Don't if you want to. If you want to, did someone just yell back there? <laughs> what was I even about to say? <laughs> um, there's no seriously. I mean, here's the thing. I, I it, it may sound weird, but if you're serious about this, if you're serious about this question, and you're serious about this temptation. And it's a real one. And it's not, it's not like as if it's a strong temptation at the beginning and it weakens as the dating relationship proceeds. It gets stronger and stronger. And it actually intensifies once you get engaged. Because yeah. at that time, you're, you're thinking, well, I'm going to marry this person. And, and you, you simply justify all sorts of things. So it actually gets stronger. And I don't, I don't want to be... Uh, prudish, but I don't care. I, it might, you might as well be wise that 
There, there may be a good reason for your whole dating relationship that you're never in uh, the apartment alone together. That's not necessarily a bad idea. You can go back to your apart- her apartment or his apartment, but if, uh, if roommates are there and they're not asleep, right? I mean, you can, it's, not, it's, no, it's no good to say, well, others were there if they're upstairs and sound asleep, and so you're basically alone, you know? Just... What's wrong with that? And it, and if anything, it says something good about you and wholesome about you and attractive about you um, that that you are that um, serious about it. And don't don't um, guys don't or girls don't repeat known mistakes of the past. If you have already stumbled in sexual ways and you know the things that led. To that, well, don't repeat those mistakes again in a in another relationship. Um, I think I want to say something to girls too. Um, Jesus says sexuality, sexual immorality starts in the heart, starts in the mind. Um, so please consider how you dress. I'm not just trying to pick on girls, but this tips typically is a girl issue. Um, I'm like you. I like to look cute. I like to look good, but none of you would, I hope, go up to a guy and seduce him verbally. None of you would do that, I hope. But dressing in a scanty way or too short, too tight, too low, you know what I'm talking about, is, is a nonverbal seduction. It is. It is inviting the guy you're dating or other guys to go places in his mind that he shouldn't go. Please think about how you're dressing. It's better to cover up too much and be so happy in marriage when you can finally totally be free with each other. It's so much better um, than to dress and show everybody everything you got, or, or almost. Um, and also, guys, honor the girl that you're dating by refusing to even go near the danger zone. Okay? Like, Kevin and I kissed before we were married, so we didn't, like, save our first kiss for marriage. We kissed a lot. But we... <laughs> But Kevin was a man of integrity. He never, never once, I knew, I knew him. He never once took it anywhere close to where I would have to say, whoa, 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 stop. His hands did not go places where they shouldn't go. Um, I knew I could trust him. He would never ask me to do something that I was uncomfortable with. Because there's lots of lines that are impure that aren't sex, right? Y'all need to keep your hands where they belong. And so I just want to say that. Guys, be men of integrity. This especially protect, if, even if it's the girl you're not going to marry, protect her because she's your sister in Christ. Don't take it too far. And I, and I, I neglected a, a massive uh, issue that uh, needs to be said in, in, in part of this, and that's the pornography problem. Uh, guys uh, especially, but girls, and girls. girls uh, look at pornography, but it's... Uh, you it, it it's demonic um and it it will make you hypersexualize everything in your mind and you it will um it will it will change the way you think about girls guys um and uh and will yeah it's uh 
there's more to be said, and we'll say more about that in a few weeks when we talk about sexual temptation in cross-culture. But, um, yeah, guys, um, get accountability. Mm-hmm. Girls, get accountability um, with, with regard to pornography and, um, and work on that uh, by the help of the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, now we, uh, there's only a couple more questions, and uh, we tried to do it in a chronological way because we had a couple of questions that had to do with marriage, and so we'll just go ahead and answer those. And this one says, do you think it's outside the will of God for a couple to not have or want to have children? Um, there, that's two separate questions. Is it, out, is it outside the will of God for a married couple to not have children? Not necessarily. Because some, some girls physically cannot have children. And that's, if, 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 uh, if, a, if a woman is barren, that's, in that sense, it's God's will. And it, so it's not his, but that doesn't mean that you can't adopt and, and have children that way. But the bigger issue here is, and I think what the question was getting at, is it outside the will of God for a married couple to not want to have children? Okay. Uh, and uh, that to that I say, yes, mm-hmm. it's outside of God's will. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's, that's the, you, you don't get far in the Bible at all before God says to Adam and Eve and then again to Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives, be fruitful and multiply. That's the it's what theologians call the cultural mandate. It's uh, multiply and fill the earth, and that's what we're that's what we're called to do. That's part of, and there's a great um, uh, there's a great um, part of a, a traditional wedding ceremony, in the opening words of a traditional uh, Anglican wedding ceremony. Uh, you know, dearly beloved, we've come together in the presence of God da, 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 to bless this man and this woman in holy matrimony, dot, dot, dot. The, the union of husband and wife in heart, body, and mind is intended by God for their mutual joy, for the help and comfort given one another in prosperity and adversity, and when it is God's will, for the procreation of children and their nurture in the knowledge and love of the Lord. So here's what I want to say. That we, we talk a lot about husband and wife being a picture of Christ and the church. I want to say that the procreation of children is not, that's also part of that picture. Being, be fruitful and multiply, so said God to this married couple. Be fruitful and multiply, God said to his church. You know? Uh, and that's, we, we as the church... Are, are to to multiply ourselves in the making of disciples. Well, marriage and the and the multiplication found therein is a, is a picture, a, a, an earthly picture of that spiritual reality. I don't want to separate the having of children, the multiplying of children, from that spiritual reality. Um, you you'd you'd be hard I, you'd be hard pressed to convince me at least that you don't want you don't even want to have children, and the reason you have be a God honoring one. I mean, come talk to me afterwards, and we'll we'll wrangle with it. But uh, but I, th- I think I'm gonna win that one. Um, 
And uh, Laura, you want to say something about that? Yeah, I just, it's a high calling to disciple children. That's the point, right? We're not just supposed to have babies so that we can have more people in the world. The reason God calls godly parents to have children is so they can raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and send them out. This is how the, this is how the world is changed via scriptural uh, processes, right? Um, the first plan was always the world gets changed through families doing what they're supposed to do. So children are not just an accessory that you can acquire if you want to, and you don't have to acquire if you don't feel like it, or you can have, I don't know, we have this idea that that kids are just things we get after we're married, and they're not. They're people. They're humans that that need to be discipled, and um, I want to put a plug in. This wasn't the question, but when you guys get married and have kids, please, please be intentional with your kids, raising them, teaching them to love the Lord, um, don't let somebody else do that for you. Um, do it because it's it's your calling. It's part of your calling. Uh, oh, there was something I was going to say. Oh, it was good, too. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, what I was going to say is just file that one away. Because if you're sitting here right now, girls, and you're going, I don't want to have kids. Well, you're not supposed to have kids right now. (laughs) You know? And the way you feel when you're 18 or 19 is not necessarily the way you'll feel when you're 23. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, when it's time, your heart and your head changes. Uh, And so don't base what you're going to do on how you feel right now. Well, of course you don't feel like you want to have kids right now. You're not married. You're let alone. You're not even dating anybody. So, golly, thank God you don't want to have children. Um, there you go. Last uh, question or question? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think couples should wait to have a certain amount of time before they have kids? How long did y'all wait? Why did you wait that long? When did you hear God's calling to have kids? Um, I heard God's calling to have kids when He said, "Be fruitful and multiply." There's that. Um, we waited two years to have Andrew because Kevin was getting a second master's and needed to be really focused on his school, so I worked full-time. But then somewhere in there, we agreed it was time to have kids. And he kept working on his, on his degrees even after that, so I don't know. Yeah, um, before I finished school, we had two kids already on our way to four. Um, yeah, we have four kids, by the way, if you didn't know that. I think, Decide together. Like, we um, after we had... Andrew and Sam, then I lost a baby when we first moved to Tallahassee, and then we had Hannah, and then I thought I was done, I was done having kids, and um, I didn't, Kevin kept saying, nope, we got one more, we got one more, and I was like, but I'm finally fit, I had run, I was, I looked really good, and I was like, I, I run, I'm in shape, I'm tired, I'm no longer tired, I'm sleeping through the night, we're done, and he kept saying, nope, we got one more, and the Lord um, worked on my heart. Because it's a two-person decision, right? But the Lord worked on my heart. I followed his leadership, and now I have my sweet Timothy. Timothy. And I wouldn't trade him. If he's him. a jerk to you, forgive him. <laughs> uh, but, uh, he's a sweet he, boy. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. But, I mean, it wasn't. But honestly, though, she made it sound like it was real spiritual, and I did feel like we needed to have another kid. But we decided But on the other together. hand, yeah. uh, I remember early on in our marriage going, well, you're the oldest of six, and I'm the youngest of two, so why don't we split the difference and have four? I mean, it was like, we're well, real holy. But um, that's why we 
That's what we did. We <laughs> multiplied ourselves by ourselves, and we got four. <laughs> we are two. We have four. <laughs> All right. Um, the term dying to yourself is thrown out a lot in the context of marriage. Can you explain that? What does it look like, and how does that affect your walk with the Lord and your family? Um, marriage is holy sandpaper. Golly. So um, this is like this with any relationship. How many of you live with other people in your, like, roommates? Do you always get along? Do you sometimes get on each other's nerves? Do you sometimes wish you weren't living with that person? <laughs> it's the same with marriage. So you, you dying to what you want in order to serve your roommates is the same. That's what we mean by dying to yourself. It's, it's the way the Lord, I'm committed to Kevin for the rest of our life. One right. of us is going to die before we are separated. That's the way it works. So we're, we're, we're walking in holiness. We're more holy today because we have to give of ourselves to each other. Yeah, and part of the, and not to belabor this answer because it could be very long, but I mean, part of, part of dying to yourself in the context of another relationship is, is it looks like in practice giving the other person the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And, and when you are convinced in your mind that this is true, but they're saying, no, that's not true. But you're convinced. Dying to yourself means you give them the benefit of the doubt, even when you're convinced of otherwise. And um, disagreeing, it used to be when we were first married, Kevin was a smart uh, aleck. Yeah. How do you all always, handle disagreeing in a godly oh, yeah. way? <laughs> used to, it would be Kevin would say something smart aleck, and I would get really mad, but I wouldn't say anything. And then I would give him the cold shoulder for a week, and he would wonder what the heck was wrong with me. And then it was terrible. And so now, how do we disagree? <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, guys, I just know this, too. I mean... Guys can be, be oblivious that there is even a disagreement. <laughs> that was the way it used to be. I mean, early on in the marriage, I thought everything was hunky-dory, and she's, like, really bad and <laughs> cold shoulder and all that. What happened? What did I do? And So but so uh, now do we handle it now? I usually turn around and go, hey, I don't see it that way, or hey, that hurt my feelings. Yeah, you just address things really quickly. Yeah, nicely. Just nicely and quickly. I say something, because I'm prone to get smart aleck and, yeah, a jerk. He's not a jerk. I can be. It's a jerk thing to do to hold a grudge for a week, dude. It is. It really is. Um, (laughs) 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 Oh, well, well, hey, guys. So uh, that is really all the questions that we had. Um, But I hope they were helpful to you in in some way. Um, Guys... Ask a girl to go out, and girls, hang out with them if they ask you to hang out. And We really do want you guys to get married. <laughs> and uh, I'd love to perform a bunch of wedding ceremonies yes. with you guys. Um, don't ask a girl out via text, or I will punch you straight in the face. Um, <laughs> and um, Don't ask any pertinent questions over text either, or, or say anything. And girls, please don't say... I need to focus on my walk with the Lord. If you're not interested, just say, I'm not I'm interested. sorry, I'm not interested Don't in you that Don't dare way. throw Jesus in that mix. It's way better if you just are honest. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's all we it. got. Yay. Well, let me pray for us, and then uh, we'll sing a couple more songs and thank Jesus for his goodness. Father, thank you so much for, um, th- yeah, like I just said, thank you for your goodness to us. And um, thank you that we have the privilege of... Um, learning together how to how to relate to one another and um, how to be in relationships with each other and in a way that honors you and I pray that you would help us to um, seek to, to to honor you and and glorify you in the way we do all these things um, 
forgive us where we have already failed in these things. Uh, but God, God, I pray that you would give the, the guys courage uh, and the, to ask a girl out and the wisdom to see uh, godly girls and, and the girls uh, the boldness to go out with a guy. And simple as that, but just uh, so that we can um, fulfill the, the callings that you've given us to do. Uh, as as uh, partners and, and husbands and wives. and uh, Lord, we want to honor you in all these things. We ask your blessing in it in Jesus' name. Amen.